parents, congregation, the text for this morning's our sermon is from 1 Corinthians 7, verse 14. The 14th verse of 1 Corinthians 7. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife. And the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean. But now are they holy. So far. The comfort of being holy. With the help of the Lord, two thoughts. In what sense holy? And the comfort of that holiness. So the comfort of being holy, in the first place, in what sense holy? And secondly, the comfort of this holiness. Congregation, the Apostle Paul went to Corinth. And he preached the word to pagans. He preached the word to people who had no idea about the God of Israel and the Bible. They were joining in dancing and attending plays and sports and foretelling and superstition and you name it. Families were united in sin. And husbands and wives were getting along fine in sin. And then the Apostle Paul came and began to preach on their streets and some were drawn by the power of the Holy Ghost. The Lord was first and slew people, drew people unto him. And then all of a sudden there was dissatisfaction in the family. And if it happened to her, he was not happy. And if it happened to him, she was not happy. Because now their life changed. And she said, I cannot go there anymore. And she said, I cannot do this any longer. And I will not dress in such a revealing way anymore. And I want to go to church on Sunday. And I want God in my life. Oh, let me say that the Lord worked in her heart. A couple. But the Lord worked in her, in her heart, not in his. And she became a broken one. A broken-hearted sinner, hungry for the Lord. Hungry for the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a dramatic change, right? And that separated them. It caused tension in the family. He said, I did not marry you this way. I married you as a pagan woman. Now you're so strict and so difficult. I don't think I can live with you anymore. And some of those men left. That is also one of the consequences of new life. That you lose friends. You may even lose your husband as a friend, your wife as a friend. We read in Luke 12, the father shall be divided 
against the Son, and the Son against the Father, the mother against the daughter, the daughter against the mother, the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. See that this tension in the family. And what now? Sometimes the unconverted one wanted to divorce his wife because he could not live with her anymore. It was too strict and too difficult. He didn't want to go along to church. And if he wanted that divorce, then she was allowed to leave him, to let him do that. But she was not allowed to marry anymore. She had to remain single until he changed. And if he never changed, she had to wait for that unless he committed adultery. So he might come back, right? You don't know. But if the husband, the unbelieving husband was content to stay, then the Lord said, and the Apostle Paul said, then he should stay. That is not directly in the Bible. But the Apostle Paul said, I conclude that from the Bible. And he spoke with authority, inspired by the Holy Ghost. So if he was content to stay, let him stay. Do not divorce the unbeliever. So the Lord told the ones who had changed, don't leave him. Don't leave her. If he wants to stay, let him stay. And the Apostle Paul also comes with arguments in our text. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife. And the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. And therefore they should stay together, if possible. Sanctified. The wife, the believer in this case, is sanctified. The husband is sanctified as well. How can it be? Well, you know that the Holy Spirit worked for example, in her heart. So she had a real saving sanctification, a new heart. And he did not have a new heart in this case. But they were married. And that is such a strong bond that means you're one flesh with another. That means that if she is sanctified, he is also sanctified. In a different way, though. Not savingly, only outwardly, but yet sanctified. The unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife. In what sense? What about the unbelieving husband? Sanctified as well, but in a different sense. He is not a believer. He is a stranger of God. He misses all spiritual life. But yet, in a different way, he is sanctified. Because he is married to a Christian. Now he's also set apart. Sanctified. 
the Apostle Paul uses the word hagiazo. The word hagias is in there. Holiness is in there. Sanctify means being made holy. And the husband is now blessed with such a God-fearing wife. He now sees it firsthand. He sees what humility is. He sees what kindness is. He sees it is to be dedicated to the Lord, to seek the Lord. Now he is close to someone who loves the Lord Jesus Christ. He is close to someone who desires holiness. And he is afraid of sin. And he sees it every day, every hour almost. He's exposed to a God-fearing wife. Not exposed to, this, to, the, to the gospel on Sundays only, but every day, every hour, with someone representing the Lord in his life. He is sanctified. The apostle Peter also speaks about that. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if they obey not the word, they also may without words be won by the conversation of the wives. Conversation meaning the walk. It's an old word, meaning walk, not talk. While they behold your chaste conversation, your chaste walk, couple with fear, whose adorning, let it not be by the outward adorning, but the adorning of the heart in, in humility. So he is sanctified and she is supposed to be humble and you don't know. Maybe that humility can also change her heart. That, that, that kindness of his God-fearing wife could be a means for him. And it happened before, right? That both were unconverted, that she is converted first, and that her testimony is also a blessing for him, or the other way. It happens more often. The husband is the means for his wife, or the wife for her husband. He is sanctified, not saved. The husband is not saved, the unbelieving the husband is sanctified by the wife, not in a saving way, but in an outward way, right? It's important to know. Important to dwell on for a few minutes. There is an outward holiness that is not saving. An outward holiness that is not saving. The husband he is Sanctified by the wife. Sanctified is a big word. Not saved, but sanctified, and yet unconverted. Right? Or despises thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. So that is what they were hoping for. That the husband would also be converted. 
but he is already outwardly sanctifying. And she has a responsibility to influence him, to be the nicest woman for him, as she may not divorce him, but for the reason of adultery. And as long as he's happy to live with her, they stay together. And again, he is sanctified through his wife. So the gentle husband received warnings firsthand. He hears the gospel from the mouth of his own wife, not only from an unknown apostle or elder or pastor, but from his own flesh. He's married to That's such an important thing, such a blessing. Every day exposed to the message of God's grace by his wife, sitting at the table together, having dinner together. She does, there is something over her that he must have noticed. And he is sanctified and privileged by having that wife, that woman as his wife. Not saved, not washed, not cleansed. He cannot be baptized. He's sanctified by his wife. He cannot be baptized. Because he's an adult. He needs to do confession of faith himself before he can be baptized. He's an adult. But he is sanctified in an outward sense. Do you know the example, right, of Timothy? Then came Paul to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewish and believed. But his father was a Greek. So it happened that the father was a Greek, a pagan, a heathen, did not care about salvation and God and the Bible. But his wife did. And they stayed together. And Timothy has seen that in the family. And yet he is sanctified. What about the children? So he is an unbeliever. She is one of his. He is sanctified through her. What about the children? What does it say here in verse 14? Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. Unconverted children, called holy. An outward holiness, right? Outward holiness. It's important to stick to that. There's an outward holiness. If you say no to that, then you can't baptize children anymore. Because we baptize children, as you heard this morning, because they are sanctified in Christ. And therefore, as members of the church, are to be baptized. They have an outward holiness over them. 
something. And the word used here is Hagias. So sanctified is Hagias so, and this is Hagias. It's the same word. One a verb and the other noun. So the Father is holy and the children are holy. The Father is sanctified and the children are sanctified. And I only baptize sanctified children. That's why I ask the parents if they believe that they are sanctified. And if they would say, I don't know, or if they say, I don't think so, then I, say, then, then, then I don't baptize them. I only baptize sanctified children. Holy. Are the children automatically saved then by being a covenant child? No. Absolutely not. They're not. Like their father, they are close to that godly woman, their mother. They benefit from her presence. They have a praying mother who is an example. The mother tells them about God and sin and, 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 and encourages them to see the Lord. That's not enough. But yes, they are dedicated to the Lord. And they're brought to the Lord. And they are children of prayer. And they are holy for that reason. Like in the tabernacle and in the temple, there were holy objects, right? Holy altars and holy utensils and holy, the holy ark and holy breath. Were they safe? No. But yet they're holy. Holy tables, holy bread, holy utensils, not safe. And so in the Old Testament, we see that the Lord is mindful of families. The families are united. The families are sanctified. Because God is a family God. You can see that here, because it's a family God. And the unconverted husband and the unconverted children are yet sanctified and holy. Not saved. And yet, in a sense, I dare to say God's children. Not in the saving sense, but in the common sense. A child of God. You say, what? An unconverted child of God? Yes. That's what I hear. Let me prove that from Ezekiel. That is a text quoted also in the form. Ezekiel 16. Moreover, thou hast taken thy sons and thy daughters, whom thou hast borne unto me, and these hast thou sacrificed unto them to be devoured. They sacrificed children to the Moloch, right? And this of thy whoredoms a small matter, that thou hast slain, now it's coming, thou hast slain, the Lord says, that thou hast slain my children. And deliver them to cause them to pass the fire for them. 
So the boys and the girls in the Old Testament were, in a sense, be careful. My children. And they have their children and God's children, they have sacrificed them to the Moloch. I think that's the same as here. Right? Same as in 1 Corinthians 7, 14. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. So the children that were brought in this morning and baptized were sanctified children and holy children before I baptized them. And because they were holy, I confirmed that they were covenant children. Not saved, but earmarked, set apart, separated from the world. And in a sense, the Lord laid his hand on them, saying they are children that need to serve me. And the Lord gave them extra attention. That does not mean that we assume our children to be regenerated. As some do. They're not going to assume anything. We say they're holy. We don't say they're newborn. It does not mean that we teach our children that they are saved. And only need to believe that. As some do. Some, some tell the children, you are sheep of the shepherd. Just believe it. No. They are holy. But they need a new heart. It does not mean that we teach children that nothing needs to happen anymore. Some say that. Some say nothing needs to happen. They're baptized, they're God's children. That's it. No. Some say that we must tell our covenant children that everything already happened on the cross and nothing needs to happen anymore. It's a lie. Something needs to happen. They need to be regenerated. They need to repent. They need to truly believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But yet, having said all those warnings, you cannot deny it that they are holy. All the young people in church here, and all of us, are holy and separated from the world, sanctified in Christ. No, no baptism makes holy. Baptism does not sanctify but being born in the church. And infant baptism confirms that. Members, infant members of the church need to be baptized. The children of the Old Testament covenant children and the boys are circumcised and they belong to the covenant people and to the covenant God. And in the New Testament, infant baptism is doing the same. It confirms membership by conception. What does that concretely entail? Being separated. God has separated the covenant children from the world. Children outside of the church are not my children, but the covenant children receive many means. 
they hear the voice of God. Don't you? They are blessed with hearing the voice of the Almighty One. We have examples of what a Christian is. They are privileged to join in worship services. They receive a Christian education that encourages to see the Lord. Being a covenant child means that God confirms the gospel. That the Lord Jesus lifts up like the servant in the wilderness. That whosoever believeth in him will not perish. It underlines it all in baptism. No baptism does not change a child compared to a wedding band. Does a wedding band make you married? Does it make a difference who you are? If you wear a wedding band, yes, yes no. No, it's only a confirmation of the wedding. You see... There's not much difference between the children in the old dispensation and the new. Because you may have that objection now, saying, okay, in the New Testament they are also holy. But do they need to be baptized then? Like in the Old Testament they were circumcised? Yes. Because the covenant of the Old Testament is the same covenant as the new. So in order to have the right light on infant baptism, in the first place you need to know that those children are holy. And I have proven that. But in the second place you have to prove that it's the same covenant in the old dispensation and the new. And I can easily do that. Some people who are viewed as smart theologians miss that point. And they say it's a different covenant. And they are supposed to be wise. They're theologians. And they're just blind. They don't see it. Let me show you. In Acts 7, verse 37, we read this. This is that Moses, which said unto the children of Israel, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me, him shall ye hear. That is he that was in the church in the wilderness, where the angel had spake to him in the mount, and where our fathers received the live oracles to give unto us. It says the church, the church in the wilderness. So the church is yours for Israel. So there's a different church. The church of the Old Testament and the church of the New Testament. No, it's one church. It's extended. But it's one church. Philippians 3, 3. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. This is about God's people. I know that. But they are called the circumcision. In the New Testament, the church is called 
the circumcision. 1 Peter 2 verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. See, in the New Testament, a holy people like Israel. Or Galatians 3 verse 9 for 29. And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs, of the, uh, uh, and heirs according to the promise. So in the Old Testament, the people of Israel were children of Abraham. In the New Testament as well. Children of Abraham. Or Colossians 2 verse 11. You know, some say that the circumcision of the Old Testament had nothing to do with salvation. Can you believe it? Some state that circumcision had nothing to do with salvation. That's, that's all, all, all about the nation Israel. Only about real estate. Only about the future of Israel. No, no. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, when also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who has raised him from the dead. <clears throat> so the husbands, the unbelieving husbands, are sanctified. The children are sanctified and holy as well. They belong to the church. Children, you are a member of the church. You belong to the church. The Lord has given you a special place in the church. And you have also a great responsibility. You cannot take your body just anywhere. Because you are sanctified and holy. <clears throat> Second thought, the comfort of this. Now, some say that only the elect are added to the elect from Israel. Let me show you that in the New Testament there are two types of children of the covenant. See your point? Some say in the Old Testament there was two types of Israelites. In the New Testament there's only one type. Converted or not. There's no outward holiness in the, New, in the New Testament, they say. We say, yes, in the New Testament, there's an outward holiness. There are two types of children of the covenant. Romans 9, verse 6. Not as though the word of God has taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. See that? I repeat that. Because we need to know that children are holy, and we need to know that there's only one covenant, the substance being the same, and we need to know that in the New Testament, also there are outer and inward holiness. 
Poles, they are not all Israel, but are of Israel. Not all Israelites are truly Israelites. Not all covenant children are truly covenant children. Right? And because in essence it is about the same covenant, also in the church are children of the, there are children of the flesh and children of the promise, like you read in Romans 9. There are two types of children being baptized. And I don't know if the child is an elect or not. But I know there is a difference. There are children of the promise, and they will someday be converted. And they are children of the flesh, and they are ultimately in the covenant. And never will be in. Because they're not chosen. All our children are for sure in the outer circle. And hopefully also in the inner one. Unfortunately, many assume that the children are covenant children, period. And nothing needs to happen. They quietly grow in grace, no questions asked. That is deceiving. The Lord Jesus not addressed this in Luke 3. Bring therefore fruits worthy of repentance and begin not, begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. Don't say that. Don't say that we have aimed to our Father, and that's enough. Because I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise your children unto Abraham. Others tease that all the children of the covenant can become in the children of the covenant. They say you have only obedient and disobedient children of the covenant. I know what you mean. But that's not what you're talking about. You're talking about the children of the promise, like Jacob and Esau. Jacob was a child of the promise from eternity. Ishmael, the child of the flesh, is circumcised, but from eternity not chosen. So non-elect cannot become elect. And elect not non-elect. And the heart of the covenant is not the author of grace, but the gift of grace to the elect. What a comfort. The Lord says, I don't only preach and proclaim the gospel, but I also guarantee that I will have a people. That is not only holy outwardly, also make them holy inwardly by the work of the Holy Spirit. For he saith to Moses, same chapter, Romans 9, for he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and on whom I will have compassion. I will have compassion. 
So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that readeth, but of God that showeth mercy. See that? So that means that the Lord says in the covenant, I don't only, I'm not only able to do it, I'm not only inviting people, I will draw people. And I will save the people for my glory. And that's also the covenant. There's an altered holiness. And that altered holiness entails that the Lord calls and that the Lord invites and that they have responsibilities. But there's also another side to the covenant. That the Lord will also give faith to them he has chosen. Also part of it. Now some forget about the altered holiness. They only time about the election. And others don't talk about the election. Only talk about the covenant. They just keep it together. This is an altered holiness. Very important. There'll be something to be baptized and to be a covenant child and then to be lost and to fall in God's hands. Having known the truth so well. And yet, there's also another part of the covenant. He will have mercy on them. He will have mercy. And the Lord Jesus, he sanctifies himself. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife out of sanctification. And the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. It's quite something. Else were the children unclean, but now are they holy. So children, could you do something to today? Could you bow your knees today and remind the Lord of something? Reminding the Lord. The Lord, the Lord knows everything. You don't need to remind him. I know. But it's not wrong to remind the Lord. Lord, I saw in the Bible, in 1 Corinthians seven fourteen that I am holy. And say, Lord, what does that mean? And meditate on it. Think about it. And let it sink in. That means that the Lord has set you apart. And the Lord is, so to speak, extending his hand to you and say, my son, my daughter, give me your heart. It's underlined. And secondly, remind the Lord that he has promised to save the people for his glory and as the Lord, you may belong to that people. Because they need that repentance and the true faith. We may not skip that. We may not say it's enough to be baptized. It's enough to be a covenant child. It is not. Even accepting that is not enough. We need a 
personal knowledge of those things, a personal knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, personal, and the personal knowledge of sanctification. But having said this, go home with this and talk about it together. Unbelieving husbands are sanctified by the wife, and the children are not unclean, but holy. Amen.